When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wrote a poem. Well, I love that. A witty poem. Is it witty or is it serious? But seriously. It's heartfelt and funny. Good. I look forward to it. This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Dad, who do you think between the two of us got in more trouble in Houston. Uh, I don't even know. You mentioned earlier that there was some issue with you and mom. I don't know what you went home on time. My wife was mad at me for staying an extra day. Um, why was your wife mad at you? Yeah, I think uh, I think your wife is is more mad at you because you stayed an extra day for no good reason. But um, other than to enjoy life and hang out with friends. Exactly. But in my case, she was unexpectedly mad at me. She had listened to the episode and, you know, accused me of obviously drinking too much and slurring on the podcast. And, you know, and and I, you know, I I was sort of taken aback. I didn't know what to say. I mean, obviously, we had a good time in Houston in in all manners, but uh, I thought the podcast was fine. Listeners expected a little bit of revelry. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, there were times late in the game that maybe on the pod, we both probably, I mean, maybe I just fake it better than you. I was drinking more than you were. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's an odd one. I mean, why, she expects us to have a good time. We're not driving. Like, what's the, like, is, she, is she like, is it a thing? Because people she knows listens to the pod. So it's like people hear my husband like wasted on a podcast kind of thing. It could be. I don't know. I, you know, maybe she's jealous that, uh, you know, she wasn't there as well. I don't well, know. Well, I think I it's also another thing is that, you know, and, and this is, you know, I was in a, with a friend in Houston and, you know, late in the night, a bartender cut him off. And it's just one of these things where we're all similarly drunk, but it's like some people can just sound less drunk. Some people, when they reach right. a certain point, just start sounding really drunk. And you might be one of these people. It doesn't mean you're actually more drunk than the next drunk guy. It's just when you get a little drunk, you happen to sound drunk. And that was a problem with one of my friends who get like, and that'll get you cut off. If you go up to a bar and you're like, I have a, a, a beer, like they're like, no, I can't serve you anymore. But if I've had the same amount of beer and I can just be like, yeah, I'll take another one, then they give it to me because it's just. That's a good point. All right. I encourage everybody to listen to the last episode and judge for yourself whether I sounded drunk. All right. I want to move on right now. Um, we have an exciting episode yeah, today. Yeah, we do. We, we, we have on. Uh, the great Chris Whittingham, witty, uh, knee of the uh, of the Levitard show now, out in the wild, out of the nest, and on his own. His first public appearance, other than all the soccer games he's called and other podcasts he's appeared on since leaving the show. <laughs> okay, let's edit out that last part. Let's make it feel like this is a world exclusive for the Greg Cody Show like podcast. A, like a 60 minutes, like we get to sit down with that's correct Chris Whittingham after he leaves Meadowlark yes we sit down that that's the new thing now when you have a one-on-one interview uh, on tv especially they do this they say we sit down with so-and-so as if no duh I don't expect that everyone is standing during the interview of course you're sitting down you should start that as a series a stand-up interview that, w- that would be good I'm a stand-up man um but before we get started, and before Whittingham comes on, well, we've I started mention, already. We've started already. Yeah, I, I want to mention that um, uh, Levitard uh, on his South Beach sessions, which is great. It's really, really good, uh, and he has me on. So whether it will continue to be really, really good with me on it, I don't know. But I'm Dan's guest this, on an this upcoming. Episode. So th- I believe it's this week. So if this episode for us comes out Monday, I believe Tuesday. Or, or this week at some point is coming out. So, yeah, it, it was interesting. Uh, it was pretty serious. You know, it, it, Dan and I, I don't want to give anything away, but Dan and I explore our long friendship and, and get pretty personal at times about our lives on and off the air. And um, I didn't know until just now that, that somehow you uh, were brought into this as well. Tell me about that. Well, apparently the conversation is so emotional that they want to have me sit down and do a director's cut of it where I'm essentially they're videotaping me watching the South Beat session and I can like pause it and like do my commentary because apparently you guys get into stuff with me and just your life. So it's things that I will have thoughts on 
So, you know, that that should be fun. And and I I imagine it gets emotional because these sit down little reaction video things, they want me to cry, right? Like is are, are they going to try to get me to cry in this thing? <laughs> That's a good question. I teared up a couple of times. I, I have to admit, I think there were two times uh during the conversation where uh I had to pause and and gather myself before going on. So that's all I'll say. Uh but but um Dan's been a, a great friend for a long time and I was happy to do it. Um you know, I I just want to say my public persona, whether it's on the Levitard show, on this podcast, in what I write for the Miami Herald, I I think I'm all over the map, right? Like on the Levitard show, I, I tend to be cast as the clown. There's there's not much of a lane for me to be serious and talk at length about anything serious. Um, mm-hmm. On this podcast, I get to be a little bit of both. In print, I get to a little bit, be a little bit of both. In this South Beach sessions, I will say, um, you know, there's a, a couple of chuckles and everything. It's Dan and I. You know, that's the way we roll. Dan actually respects you in this conversation? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and And so it's a different me. Uh, and a different me and him, uh, you know, he and I together and separately are in, in a way that you don't often hear us on the Levitard show. So I look forward to you all uh, uh, listening to that. Come on, keep the energy up. What are you doing right now? You're like, I feel like I'm losing. You're just like kind of tight. So I uh, I hope any of you do that. Well, we're talking about it something like, serious. It looked like you were like falling, like at the end of that, just trailing off, like falling asleep towards the end of that sentence. I like, do tell you. Know, I have narcolepsy. did like an extra paragraph. Like interview. We plugged the, the South Beach session, and then you threw in that extra paragraph that That's was right. just you just like. That's why they call it editing. As Graceland climbs the stairs, looking over her shoulder. No one can see Graceland. To get into it's my an, podcast. It's an audio medium. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Um. I want to mention uh, Udonis Haslam real quick. Um, I wrote a column on this, a, a farewell tribute column to him, and uh, he deserves it. And And he played his last regular season game for the Heat on Sunday. Uh, luckily, he has a, at least one more uh, coming uh, in the playoffs. But, I would you know, <laughs> UD referred to himself uh, a while ago as as just a young fat kid from Liberty City. And, and Liberty City is sort of a, a poor uh, area of Miami, uh, impoverished and and uh, tough to grow up in, frankly, as he would tell you. And the young fat kid from Liberty City became a Miami legend and uh, longest serving athlete we've ever had 20 years. Great career, part of three championships. Uh, what are your emotions as, as UD leaves the heat? It's hard to have like. Cause like, you know, he retired a long time. Like I, I say he didn't retire. He hasn't been playing for years. So True. it's like all heat fans, like, you know, it's tough to really have like, I'm, I'm, he's kind of been fading out, right? Like he yep. more than any other career in sports history has gone from playing. Like usually it's just playing, playing, playing off the team. Like this has been as much of a transition off a team as you could possibly have. So I don't really have these like strong, sad emotions. He's clearly okay. an all-time legend. His number should go up in the yeah, Raptors. Like number 40. Nothing negative to say about UD, but, but because it's been such a long process of him leaving, I'm not that like, like I'm not going to get like true, like as sad as I was when D Wade retired. Like, right. that, that felt a little different. Yeah, that's true. I get but, it. But there's always going to be that place for you. I mean, UD is Miami, so he's just one of those guys. But I actually wonder, like, what is next for UD? Well, I, like, what's is he going to be in? The, are they going to create a spot in the organization for him? Is he going to be the next Zoe that like sits next to Pat during games? I think we have a good idea of that already. He wants a, a small piece of ownership, which I think they're going to give him. I think it stung a little bit that Dwayne Wade ended up as a Utah Jazz part owner. I don't think they want that to happen with UD. Right. I think he's going to have a small slice of the team. And I think he's going to be able to carve out basically whatever role he wants in the organization, you know, obviously within reason. But he can he can certainly be a community liaison in, in some meaningful way. Uh, he can be in an advisory role. I think he sees himself... And he said that he sees himself as as a conduit, a link between the locker room and the front office. And and uh, and, and I think he's super cut out for that. And I think he's going to do a great job. Um, there, there was another uh, big athlete in town who who said something that made me laugh out loud. Tyree Kill, the Dolphins wide receiver, mm-hmm. says, announces that he's going to retire after the 2025 season at age 31, still in his prime. He's going to leave another big contract, his last big contract on the table, and he's going to retire. And I am saying right now, 
that I will walk from here to Kansas City on my knees if he fulfills that. I you think it's a bunch say of BS. Walk, though. You should just do like walk on your knees is just literally impossible. Walking on your feet over a six month period, if, if you wanted to do a Forrest Gump thing, like you probably could actually walk to Kansas City. You know what? You're right. My knees can't take it. Yeah. My knee, I couldn't walk across my house on my knees. It would be really tough. I'm so over these athletes with these fake retirement threats. Yeah. Like it's one of my least favorite things in all of sports. I agree. Like it, unless you're an old athlete, unless you're old, it never, it never happens. Uh, luckily, he at least says he's going to play out the heat, uh, the, the heat, the, the Dolphins contract. Right. You know, it shouldn't affect the Dolphins, but this is a non-story. This is just him trying to get his name in the news and he's trying to get his name into the whole gamer world because that's what he says. He says, I'm going to retire and become a professional. Yeah, you know, he's big into video games and that's okay. a whole industry. So he, I think he's just trying to, you know, diversify and like establish himself to people in that industry of like, hey, I'm coming in here next. So yeah, he could also be planting the seed uh, to, to pressure the Dolphins to extend his contract before it ends. But we'll see. You're right. I, I, I don't believe that at all. I want to mention we hardly ever get into politics on this podcast, and that's by design, because believe me, I could talk forever about everything always in the news. But could you? Yeah, I could. I, I could. Because, well, but in this case, what the Tennessee state legislature did is appalling. Oh, wow. It's anti-American. It makes me feel ashamed. It shouldn't be allowed. And as you know by now, they the, the legislature expelled two of its members, both young black men, for speaking out against gun violence. Since when isn't a state legislature a forum for open debate about important subjects? It just appalls me what they did. I hope it's overturned in the courts. and. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to get off my high horse calmly uh, and <laughs> literally calmly is my high horse and I'm getting off my high horse calmly. We're not joking about this. My dad actually owns a horse named Calmly. I do. And by the way, now that I'm done with my political spiel, Calmly is running this week. She's running in a race in Marseille. Is it Marseille? Marseille? Marseille, France this week. So uh, what day? What time? Like what, I think this it's week? The, I think it's the eighth, the eighth she's running. So, uh, so it happened already. Like that. Think about when this podcast is coming out. You know what? No, no. It's a week from... It's this coming week. It hasn't happened yet. It's this coming week. <laughs> this podcast comes out Monday. Okay. She hasn't run yet. <laughs> she's running sometime in the middle of this week. So it's Monday the 10th. So she's running around the 12th or 13th. Yeah. In, in Marseille, she's entered... If you say Marseille one more time, I'm going to Marseille you in the face. Okay. Just in case the race in Lyon the following week has bad track conditions, because in Europe... It's all about running on the right track. Uh, you don't want to run, run in a bog unless you're a horse that loves to run in a bog. Uh, and I'm in a bog right now talking about calmly because nobody cares but me. Um, I would like to do a three da uh, dad joke. Okay. Dad joke. A three dad joke. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I, was, I almost said three facts, Jack, but I think I want to do dad jokes instead. You don't want to wait for Witty for that? Should I wait? Okay. We'll wait for Witty. I just think. By the way, Witty um, is, uh, why is he on again? Why do we have him on? <laughs> Really? Yeah. Because we want to pander to the Levitard audience, obviously? No, I thought there was a specific reason. Like, is he, you know... Well, I don't, are you doing a bit? No, I'm just <laughs> we, Before the show, we talked about multiple things you want to talk to Witty about, and you've just forgotten all of them all of a sudden? I know, but but it, it, it like, I... It, I think it was your idea to have Mon. I was. Just, we don't have to air any of this, but I'm just wondering. No, why. we're we're leaving all this in because this is okay. hilarious and it's a classic Greg Cody thing. You just listed to me five or six things you want to ask him, and now you just that I knew he the was reason on we're today. The, the reason we're have the reason he's a, a a guest that we would have on right now is because he just left the Levitard show, and we want to pander to that audience that might be interested to hear from him after him leaving. I really don't like the word pandering. It's what it's literally how we've built this podcast. No, I don't. I disagree with that. Oh, God, I do disagree. I mean, we're not pandering, like appealing to. I'm very sensitive to that. Okay, I don't appealing think appealing to like we're trying to we're, we're like fishing. Okay. We're fishing for Lebetard show listeners because we're part of that world and they like us. So we want as much of that big audience to say, hey, come over here. Check us out. We do fun things over here. OK. And like, all right, I won't call it pandering. Yeah, don't call it pandering. You got to admit, pandering is a is a negative connotation. What's going on with you right now? I don't know. Your energy is just weird. Every sentence you're like tailing off on. It's like, yeah, just okay. Bring me some energy. What do you got to I, say? Look, I have energy. Look, like see, like the way I'm talking right now. Like, this okay, is, I'm 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 excited to be in this conversation right now. Okay, tell me something. 
bring it. Tell me something good. Tell me something good. I wrote a poem. Well, I love that. A witty poem. Is it witty or is it serious? But seriously. It's heartfelt and funny. Good. I look forward to it. All right. Let's welcome Witty in. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Guys, quickly, I want to talk to you about Sheets and Giggles. They sent my dad and I to Houston. What a fun, unforgettable trip for me and my dad. All thanks to Sheets and Giggles. Now it's time for us and you to repay them and really support them. They're good people. They stand for all the right things. Go to SheetsGiggles.com slash Greg. Use the code SCOOPS. 20% off their entire site. It's not just great sheets. They have mattresses. They have comforters. They have pillows. It's the quietest pillow you've ever slept on. They don't get hot. You don't have to flip them throughout the night. The sheets never get warm. The softest sheets. I've had zero people who have bought them complain about them. Everyone says that they are great. I've literally not heard a single negative syllable. And I have sent them and recommended them to some of my picky and very opinionated friends. And even the most opinionated of them all say... These are damn good sheets. Much better than the sheets I was sleeping on before. So support us. Support Sheets and Giggles. Sheetsgiggles.com slash Greg. Promo code scoops. Sheets and Giggles. Shiggles. I texted Woody earlier about, hey, we're gonna, you're going to be entering into a hot set here. And I just got an ah hot set. No one loves a hot set like Chris Whittingham. Love a hot set. Love a hot set. <laughs> Love walking in and be like, all right, we're taking off. Off yeah. we go. No pleasantries. How are you? No Doesn't matter. The interview started. Greg Cody, go. Chris Witty Whittingham needs no introduction. Although as I look at him in the Zoom, he is beautifully groomed. Yeah. There is not a hair out of place. That's a right? rested man right there. That's <laughs> a man serious. that is. That's a man that's gotten some sleep. <laughs> have you? <laughs> yes, I have. I've gotten a lots more sleep than I used to. That is for sure. What is, What is something you've done in the last week or so that you would have never had time to do if you were still were, like busting your ass for Metal Arc, which you kind of still are, but whatever we can. Right. And, you know, I, I'm I'm there a couple days a week. Uh, one, go to the beach. Yes. Despite the fact that I live a four minute walk away from the beach. I never went, and like a week after I stopped working in my executive producer role, I went to the beach. I also I have uh, over my shoulder a bunch of books that, uh, believe it or not, despite my sanctimony about being uh, rigorous academically, uh, I don't often read books. I read books now. That's fun. Uh, so just uh, you know, a, a couple of things that I've I've decided to to pick up. We've we've talked about this before, I believe, but I don't remember the answer. You're a shoes guy at the beach. Uh, no, no, not a shoes guy at the beach. Where, I, so are you wearing like slides to the beach with no socks? What's the play here? So I go, yeah, slides, slides with no socks. And then because like our beach and our apartment building is kind of like a, everyone who lives here gets to go to this beach. There's kind of a communal policy where you can leave your slides there. Oh, at the and then, stairway. and then you can, yeah. and then you can walk onto the sand barefoot. So that, that's, that's What's my a slide. It's like a sandal that's not a thong sandal. It's like the Nike. It's like I used to have the Nike ones that I'd wear for baseball. They're just like sandals you slide on that don't have the thong. Me, I, there, there's some okay. near me. Let me let me grab them and I'll show them to you, Greg. Give me a sec. Yeah. Did I describe it decently to you? I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory. Ah, oh yeah. Okay. So it's the ones where like it goes over the foot. Yeah. Okay. But it's it's not a thong sandal. People, right. Our our the Levitard show is very critical of thong sandals. I, I've I'm a late bloomer into the thong sandal world. My wife has kind of turned me into it and it's delightful. I don't, I, I get you know it. You know what though? The, yeah. the thong, sa- the, the slides have taken over the thong sandals so much. You cannot find a pair of thong sandals in the mall. I know this because I went walking through the Aventura mall to various department stores, just trying to find a bog standard uh, thong sandal. And I couldn't find it. I could not find a thong sandal. It was like on my fifth store that I found. It was the <laughs> only one that was there. The slides have invaded. <laughs> they have the thongs uh, back in my day uh, used to be everywhere. They were all you wore on your feet if you were going outside, particularly to the beach. And we used to call them Zoris. Hmm. Does anybody in the listening audience remember that word? No. I think it was I mean, Z-O-R-R-I. Zori sandals is what we call them. Was that a brand? And no, I don't even know. 
I don't even know. Is it like Croc, the equivalent of like a Croc? Yeah, Dad, it, it maybe the forerunner of Croc, Zori's. In your life, Dad, have you worn more thong sandals or thongs? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a pretty easy answer. Thong sandals, a.k.a. Zori's. We used to wear all the time as kids. Um, Nana Doogie would take it to the beach. Of course. Uh, and uh, and we'd, we'd wear Zori's. That's what you wore. Now, if I'm going to the beach, which I never do, I will wear deck shoes to the beach. My toes will never hit the sand unless I take off my deck shoes and run to the water. No one wants to see your toes anyway. But 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 don't you but don't you like get sand in the shoes though? Isn't it? you wear yes. those, that same pair of deck shoes all the time? Yes. I feel like that would be more tedious than just putting your toes in the sand. And they smell terribly after a beach. Like after like seven hours at the beach with boat shoes, they come back. They're like that that sandy beachy like musk to it. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just gross. No, it is true. Uh, <laughs> Whittingham, I want to ask you real quickly because. Um, I think this is on everyone's mind. It's always been on my mind, and I've never directly asked you. What's with the spelling of your last name? <laughs> that is a that that is a, actually a very good question. So thank you. I am under the impression that our family are the only people in the world that spell Whittingham in the manner in which we do. What? Every what? other encounterance of Whittingham that I've seen, the most common one is W H I T T I N G H A M. That is the correct. correct way to spell it. Yeah, I've seen a Y in a few places, but not commonly. I think it really comes down to the fact that uh, we are Colombian Whittinghams. And my presumption is, is that in attempting to sound it out, the, a, a Y got chucked in there. Maybe that it would be more common to Hispanic spelling than British spelling. Uh, we have kind of attempted to trace down a family history. Most of those attempts have been mostly, mostly led to dead ends. I once saw a picture of a family crest that our family has uh, from way back in Wales that uh, we we never actually fully investigated. But realistically, our Whittingham clan is probably the only Whittingham clan in the world wow. that spells our last name this way. It's wrong. Wow. It's just straight up wrong. And like I, I, I came to this realization having gone to the UK, and they all look look at my last. This is incorrect. This is not how you spell this last name. It does look like a misspelling. It really and, does. And I yeah. feel I feel the pressure to have a boy. Because of you know Cody, I don't. There's, but there's a ton of Cody's out there spelled C O T E. Like there's so much. You or your brother need to have a boy at some point because we like or else your name is just gonna disappear, my man. Well, maybe it should. <laughs> <laughs> maybe hey, it that's... should. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if my dad would love to hear that. But and you know what's funny is I think my my uncle changed the spelling of the last name, but like made it more wrong. Like it like changed the Y out for another I but didn't include the H at the beginning. So like there, there's even uh, discord within our ranks of how we spell our last name. Wow. Woody, by any name, uh, you're a valued uh, member of, uh, of whatever family you're in. I, I will say, though, the misspelling does allow for the nickname Witty. Yeah. I think if not for the, uh, the for the Y being in the middle, I think if I were a W-H-I-T-T-I-N-G, mm. I wouldn't be Witty. Would you be Wit? Maybe. Yeah, that <laughs> honestly would good. be the more likely. Because Witty's a good nickname. So like yeah. that's Whereas Wit no. is sort of the worst nickname ever. Yeah. So Witty, hey, we, we want to get to Inner Miami with you. We want to get to Messy with you. And we want to get to your new gig. But, and I, but before that, I want to tease on the back end. Uh -oh. I have written you, my friend. Because I didn't feel like you got the proper send off. Okay. And especially for me, you know, I'm not good with words. So I was like, anytime I try to like in a moment, just like off the top of my head, express myself. I don't do it well. So I wrote you a poem that I'm going to read to you at the wow. end. Wow. That, that is as heartwarming and touching of a gesture as I've had from any of my recently former colleagues. Yeah. Wow. This and is beautiful. Impressive. I can't wait for this. I'm excited to read it. And, I, and you know me in reading. So I've been practicing. I'm going to try to get through <laughs> it with no hiccups. But you know me. So. All right. This, is it, is it funny? Is it heartwarming? A little bit of both, my friend. Okay. You never know. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay, this has to be your first career poem, I'm guessing. <laughs> Honestly, I, I might touch on this exact that question in the poem. So let's just not even, yeah, no spoilers. Since like, since like fourth grade, when you first learned what a poem was. Yeah. Your he, first career poem, I love that as an expression. This is no haiku, <laughs> my friend. This is no haiku. It's more of a sonnet. Okay, I'm counting the <laughs> syllables, and if it exceeds 17, then it's a, a full-fledged poem. Oh, I fit so many, like, syllables into, like, mm. I, I'm cra I'm like a rapper <laughs> cramming words into... into All right, okay, so go. we're an iambic pentameter, then. Yeah. There oh, you God. <laughs> Get out. There you go. Get, <laughs> go, to the, go to the ocean. 
Um, speaking of that, Witty, I want to ask you in all seriousness, leaving the Levitar, and, and, you know, you're still going to be involved whenever you want, whenever they need you, what have you, but leaving it as a full-time gig for a full-time gig with Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus on MLS broadcasts, was that a difficult decision or an easy one? Uh, it was, a, it was a difficult decision in the respect, in the sense that I loved coming to work. I loved all of our colleagues. Um, it was such a, a fruitful experience for me. I just loved the way that the show operates, how everyone within the show welcomed me when they could have very easily rejected me. It's, I, I think, you know, it, other than Allison Turner, it hadn't welcomed any new people for a decade. So for the most part, it's been a production team that's been set in stone and everyone welcomed me so nicely. And then I got to grow within the company and it's so cool to connect with an audience of people that are now kind of bought in on me as a person, right? Like I, I went to a Panthers game the other night and then people like bummed out that I'm not on the show anymore. And while that might sound self-aggrandizing, like that's just the, that's not anything to do with me. It's Dan affording us all this space to not only talk on the air and develop who we are as people, but for people to get to know us and sort of allow this very comfortable space to where I can kind of, I can tell, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that I wake up in the morning using my stove and mm -hmm. that feels like a normal thing to <laughs> say out loud. And so that in, in that sense, it was very difficult. To me, the bit that was a little bit less difficult was that this is kind of what I'm working for, not Apple specifically, but working as a play by play commentator and all that stuff is what I've always wanted to do. And I just felt like I hit a point, particularly when I was doing some preseason matches where I just didn't feel like I was giving it my best. And it just felt like too big of an opportunity in my career in doing this to not want to give it my 100% and do everything that I possibly could to be a good broadcaster. And if, uh, and if it doesn't work out for me, and, you know, Dan in five years time says, well, you left, so we're not having you back. And I, my, my career goes sideways as a result. At the very least, I feel like I gave it everything that I had in doing this and in giving it my full attention so that I could reasonably say I gave this a full go. Sorry for texting you during that preseason game, by the way, and with work <laughs> stuff and ruining this whole experience for you. Your character you were sort of cast as in, in, in the fancy lad mm -hmm. uh, persona. And I'm wondering, is that a persona that you wore comfortably and eagerly or something you had to sort of adjust to? And, you know, I like the idea of you not being that person at all. And it was all just a character. <laughs> yeah, th there's a certain element of it where it was like, you know, it, sort of having having it be shouted at you all the time. It was like, OK, wow, this is like really stuck and I have to like fully embrace this. But no, like in terms of like on air it was purely a manifestation of who i am as a person in some ways right. i have to thank andrew streeter immensely for putting that song together because that's really how or the, it was initially a jingle and then it was a full song that he put together and it did sort of perfectly encapsulate who i was being on the show and who i generally am now there are yes. times where it's sort of like you have to live up to what this character would do but it's not terribly far away from who I am as a person. Uh, right. So, yeah, I, 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 I wore it well. And there's times where it's annoying as shit to do it because we all kind of do it with our own lanes, right? It's like, mm -hmm. you know, Chris Cody, oh, food stuff. Billy, neurosis, mm -hmm. always yeah. like scared of everything. Witty is the fancy lad. Mike is the crazy sports fan. Like, you know, Dan likes to drive us to like our most extreme. Not Dan. The show kind of right. drives mm -hmm. us to our most extreme versions of ourselves. So it's like we get so used to just like like me now. I'm just like word vomit with like my personal stuff with my wife. My wife's always like, why are you talking about like everything in our life? It's just like, I don't know. I'm just like, this is my lane now. I'm the guy that just talks about everything. Well, uh, Woody is is uncommonly erudite for a young man your age. And that fits right into broadcasting because your on-air persona is not unlike how you were on the Levitard show. And what do you like so much about broadcasting not just soccer broadcasting but broadcasting in general and play by play in particular before he j answers that question i he has a witty's a different guy in these soccer broadcasts little little gravitas yeah maybe. like yeah. I, I mean, it's a compliment i'm saying it's impressive the way you sound thank you i think it's sort of the difference in in those two things is i guess a lot of what i've done with studying broadcasting is putting a lot of intentionality behind the words and the way you use your voice. So when I'm just having a conversation with somebody, I'm just being myself. Whereas when I do a game, I've thought a lot about what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it, 
And it's just different than sort of being an everyday person. What I love about it is that sort of crafting, right? You do a ton of work during the week. I'm fortunate in my work with Apple that, you know, we get calls with the coaches, we get calls with a couple of players for each team. You, I, I try and read every article from every newspaper blog, every tweet from someone uh, that covers the two teams that I'm covering that week. I really try and fully engross myself. You have to do a whole process with having things to say about each and every player from the star of the team to the very last player that might enter the game because you just never know. And I just like the putting together of that. And in some, and then you get to do the game and you've done all this work, but then you don't, you are no control whatsoever of what happens on the field and you have to react. And so I like, for example, you know, describing the same things in different ways, learning how to use language in that respect, studying broadcasters in my, in my space in soccer from, from England, people that work here in the States and, and learning how to use the language in the best way possible to describe everything that happens during a game. So I, I just love the crafting of it all and then it all coming together and then it kind of ends for the most part people didn't really absorb most of what you said they're just kind of along for the ride and enjoying the game but i put put all that work in and then you start over again the next week with whatever your next game is i'm hope i hope i'm not revealing too much of what you've told me before but i believe you have a notebook that like with just like cool ways to say stuff in soccer yeah yeah, it's uh it's <laughs> it's an 11 page word document that I keep and I read like once every 6 months to remind myself. So it'll be like, you know, give for us a example, little example. Give us a little All right. Example. You know, what? I'm going to I'm going to pull up the doc here. Uh it's in a <laughs> it's in a folder called Phrases Project. Of course uh, which, it is. Which which <laughs> which might not be surprised uh w- w- to, to any of you. So it I my doc is called the Soccer th- uh, Thesaurus. Of course it is. Uh so um, all right, so I, I have this section here that's just for counterattacks. Yes. Uh, so it says here, uh, a sweeping move with a devastating end. Oh. Uh, player can break. Yes. Player can lead the charge. Player charges through the midfield. Uh, team hits team on the counterattack and lead 1-0. Multiple options available. Now the break is on. Players <laughs> flooding forward. Quickly off. An incisive counterattack. The man who started it all finishes it off. And you have hundreds of these. Uh, yeah, like that's just one section. I like that one section has 15 different lines. But again, these are all the same things, but you can say them in different ways. And that's kind and of you're what... using these. Like, have you used these particular ones? I probably have only used 2% of okay. the overall things that I've written down. But if it's not, if I haven't said the same thing, like in more, like multiple times in the same way, then I feel like it it was worth it. This was like, I, I worked on this when I was like in between jobs. I was barely doing any work. And I was just like, I just studied this stuff for like three months straight. And I wrote everything down that I thought was interesting. I remember once I tweeted, this is years ago and I can't even remember the context, but I tweeted in British soccer, why is a nice pass always referred to as a lovely ball? And, and that, <laughs> Got like a thousand likes, and and it's true. I mean, that lovely ball. That's a lovely ball. It's a lovely there, ball. What do you just... mean? That's that sounds a perfectly good description for that. It is, but it's also like pretty commonly used. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I, I, to me, the other thing too that's interesting is just that whole notion of like describing like something in sports as lovely. I don't feel like you'd hear that in many right. American sports contexts. There is a genuine difference. I remember when I was in college, they teach you to kind of use language that you make sure that everyone in the audience can understand it. Not to be low in, lowest common denominator, but to be a clear and effective communicator. Whereas like you will hear words from British soccer commentators that are like, wait, what, what was that? You must love that. Right. Oh, that, that's for me. It's my wheelhouse. <laughs> like a drug. Yeah. If for, you hear a them, word, you don't know. It's like, oh, right. <laughs> right. I can't, I can't wait to Google this word and, and learn what it means. But like for them, it's a, it's a genuine exercise of the language in a way that it just isn't here. And I, I, I love that about it. How often do you, because you said you look up something on every player. So how often do you have like a note on some random player, maybe a lower end player that doesn't touch the ball a lot? And, it, and it's such a good note yeah. that like around the, around the 80th minute, he like just touches the ball and you're like, I'm getting this <laughs> note in. Yeah, that happened to me. That happened to me during one of those aforementioned preseason matches. I had like one really good note on a player who is kind of like a second string wing, a wing back for Montreal. Uh, and it, it was a, it was a game. It was a preseason game where both teams made 11 changes at halftime. So you're just trying to piece together 
who everyone is and say, oh, that player's playing. I remember reading this one nondescript article about, and sometimes because of the nature of soccer, they can be in other languages. And you Google a player and and like the article's in French and you just use Google Chrome to translate the article and all of a sudden you're reading an insightful player on a on a player in French. Yeah. This guy's also an Olympic archer. Like I'm just getting that in. Like <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, I must. Have you yet uh, adopted or purloined uh our friend Ray Hudson's use of the word magisterial? <laughs> that that I feel like would be copyright infringement. Okay. That that's his. That like Ray Hudson's got magisterial. None of us have it. And also, I'm not entirely certain that it's a word Ray has acknowledged as much, but <laughs> it's so perfect to what he's trying it's, to say. It would be like beautiful. if I started using one of his idioms. Like if I said a back line was stretched like spandex on Fort Lauderdale Beach. Right. That's also copy. Like that's his corner. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, his yeah. thing. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to invade his corner. Now, Greg Cody will allow you to use and you know it if you want to work that in. Ooh, okay. Yes, saying, you should. You know. All right. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll, they, I'll see if there's a context in which that fits. Add that to your doc. <laughs> okay, here, let, let me uh, let me volunteer a good context for you. Uh, a, a team scores to take a very healthy 3-0 lead. They have this game in hand, and you know it. Well, that's Ooh, just like, but that's like an that, opinion. Like, he can't get too opinion-y. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I have right. done that before, though. Every once in a while, like, for the drama, you'd be like, that's the winning goal when there's still a minute left to play. And, this, and, and you spend the rest of the game hoping that that yeah. was indeed the winning goal. Yes. Uh, but you, you'll 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 take the risk on that. I like that, Greg. I, I, I'll see if there's any other. I'll go through my doc and see if there's any uh, places which and you know it. Uh, I, I, should I say it in exactly the tone? And you know it, like in that exact tone. <laughs> that's that, that's pretty good. Okay, yes, all right. That's pretty if you good. did that. Oh my that's god, that's pretty good. <laughs> but but I think it's very important uh, drop the D and and. It's and you know it, and you know it, and it's yeah. Perfect. It's not it's Better. not you. Yeah, it's right. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And you know it. Um, Witty, you were not to take a serious turn here, but um, you were friends with with the great Grant Wall mm-hmm. and uh, Ted Lasso. Recently honored him uh, at the end of the uh, one of its uh, episodes uh, in memoriam um, in memory of Grant Wall was in the closing credits. And earlier, if you caught it, uh, the the character Coach Beard was carrying uh, one of uh, Wall's books, the Beckham Experiment, uh, in in the episode. So it was a nice, tender shout out to Grant Wall. And and I know his wife tweeted out great appreciation to it, his widow. Uh, Grant Wall, of course, was the iconic American journalist, died of an aortic aneurysm at age 49 just a few months ago. Uh, Not to to bring us down, but how do you remember Grant? What did he mean to you? Well, I think in some ways that his his book and memory being honored in such a big show, I think, shows to me... I was almost surprised in the way in which his reach was even bigger than I thought. I knew that it was a massive deal in the soccer world, but I remember it at his uh, celebration of life in New York. Um, there was a performance by I think it was the lead singer of the National, and I was there with Mike Ryan from the show. And he was like, "Whoa, he was friends with so and so." Like the the ways in which his network was broad, yeah, in some ways was even bigger than I thought. And I think part of the reason why is because when we worked together, he was such a humble guy. Like, and, and that word is thrown around very often, but for someone who had achieved so much in journalism, he was someone that was just very approachable, someone you can talk to. And I actually think the Ted Lasso connection is really interesting in that respect because Jason Sudeikis and Grant Wall connected over the fact that they're both from Kansas and they kind of have this very similar Kansas background. I remember when uh, early on in the independent days of his podcast, and I was producing it for him, we were on a Zoom, and Grant mentioned, oh, I went to this high school, and Jason said, I went to this high school, and they started talking about this for like 15 minutes before the actual interview began, and he just had this way of connecting with people, and I mean, it, it's still you know, difficult. It's been really cool to see all the tributes from, the, it was first MLS, and then the NWSL, US Soccer did brilliant tributes. Um, obviously this Ted Lasso thing, it's sort of something that, that keeps his memory alive. And for me, the, the, the lasting legacy is sort of all the work that he's done, but as a person, it's jumping on all these things with him that he had, that he allowed me to be a part of. We did a podcast during world cup qualifying with Landon Donovan, and it was never a question that I would be involved with that. Despite the fact that he and Landon had the relationship, I was along for the ride with everything that he did. And he was just such a great person, and you're you're, you're reminded of it all the time. I, I didn't realize until very recently that uh, Ted Lasso had 
the show had brought uh, Grant into the show uh, in an advisory role to help develop the Trent Krim character. I, I didn't know that either. I didn't know that either. And also like this, well, uh, should we say the storyline of this season? I guess it's not that significant. Uh, like they're doing like a, like Trent Krim went from being a journalist covering the team to writing a book about the team undercover. Right. And because Grant has done that before, they consulted him. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that while they were working on this. She didn't tell me that. Oh yeah, they called me and like he visited uh, the area where AFC Richmond is set and then the town of Richmond where it's set and like wrote an article about spending a day with Brendan Hunt. But I didn't realize that part of that was consulting on this character from TV to real life. Although a real life saga that that is fit for TV. I want to talk a little bit about where Messi stands right now. Let me tell you how it seems to me, and you tell me what your take is. It seems to me that. Paris Saint-Germain, his, his current team looks like it's out. A return to Barcelona seems back in play. Mike Ryan keeps insisting to me <laughs> that Inter-Miami has a great chance. And now I'm reading reports that Messi may follow Ronaldo and chase the money to Saudi Arabia. What do you think the truth is? I, I think everything you just outlined is 100% true. Um, I'm I honestly thought when it was going to be because so I was kind of under the impression that it was Inter Miami and PSG and kind of a two team race. I thought I would be really excited the week that PSG was sort of ruled out that the situation had deteriorated enough. Messi has actually been booed by his home yeah. fans in PSG. The situation has gotten really bad there. They got eliminated from Champions League in fairly pathetic fashion. Their end of their league season has sort of been very perfunctory. They're going to win the league, but it's not been in a, in a way that's been exciting. Messi has not played very well. And so I thought, all right, it, it went it went as bad as I thought it might. And so he's not going to PSG. All right, this is it. Inter-Miami can step in and go and win this. But with the player of this magnitude, just coming off of winning the World Cup, still playing very well, I can understand why the, the, the rumors are out there and the reports are out there that he wants to say and win another Champions League title. I think it'll be very difficult for him to find a club where he can do that because the teams that are at that very upper echelon to go and do that I don't think you're going to set aside all the money. And I guess in some ways, the breaking a part of your team that bring in Lionel Messi takes, that's not to say he's a bad player. He, you just have to accommodate him for who he is in his career. It's what Argentina did. I'm not certain big European clubs would do that. Barcelona, frankly, I don't get it because they have no money. They can't even register their youth players that they want to bring up and sign in the first team. Where are they going to find the money for Lionel Messi from? I don't understand it. And then the Saudi thing, in some ways, there was always two looming threats, which are the sovereign states that have taken over at Paris Saint-Germain that you just cannot compete with the amount of money that the Qataris have. And then the Saudis are another aspect as well. They already brought in Ronaldo, and then you have Messi now that could potentially join a rival. That's just an amount of money that MLS cannot afford to pay. So Miami, I still think, is in with a chance, um, a good chance, but I don't know um, if all these other factors are enough. Jorge Messi, who is his agent and father, does a great job of getting a market together for his son, and then his son has to make a choice. I think there's a possibility that that choice is still into Miami, but I'm I'm surprised at how much doubt there is now that PSG is out. I think there's no doubt in anyone's mind that really is following this that eventually... He, he's going to end up here, probably. Like, whatever. Let's just kind of assume that. <laughs> so the interesting thing that Mike has been talking about is the difference between this year and next year. Because once the shovels go in the ground, the team becomes more so the deal's not as good. Do you have, do either of you have any kind of, like, what money are we talking about there? Like, the stake he would get this year, what does that look like after the shovels go in the ground in terms of actual dollars? I, I don't, I mean, I presume that, the agreement that they have to uh, construct Miami Freedom Park, which is uh, their new stadium that they're building in Miami near the airport where a golf course currently sits, fully goes into effect once they start building it. Right. And right now, at this very moment in time, they have not started building it. They're not far away from starting to build it, but life changes. And and also, you know, it, not, yeah. not just in the way of all good, but they're going to have to start paying money and putting a bunch of money into actually building the thing and paying the rent. And it's, you know, the, the whole financial situation changes once they begin to execute this project down in Miami. So I, I think that that's what is being talked about. I, I couldn't tell you the particulars of that. I couldn't tell you yeah. kind of how much money Messi stands to make now versus a year from now. But I know that the situation does dramatically change. And do you think, and does what Inter Miami does on the field currently has nothing to do with him, right? Like, like they could lose every game this year. And I don't think so. I don't think so. They're, I mean, they've, they've lost a player who's really important to their team, Gregory, in midfield that 
Uh, they've lost four games since they lost him due to injury. They're still trying to figure it out. But I, I don't think so. I, I don't think if just because they start losing some games, it makes them immediately less attractive. It, you know, they, they were a decent team last year. They made the playoffs. But I don't think, you know, Lionel Messi is looking at a team in MLS go, I want to join the team that's top of the Eastern Conference right now. Otherwise, you'd be joining FC Cincinnati. This I want to live in Miami. Are, yeah, these are <laughs> these are things that are much bigger. Owner, like we talked about ownership stake that's that's been out there in the media. And Mike has talked about that. Um, and all this bigger stuff uh, is not really about how good the team is at this very moment in time. I have um, big anticipation about the Women's World Cup. I thought you were going to say my poem. Because we got to get to that, <laughs> that too. No, no, we're going to get to that in a minute. But I have to ask Woody about the Women's World Cup because it's the U.S. and England are magnificent titans and rivals now. And the, the women's team, uh, I only know this in a sketch, but the women's team is sort of evolving from the, the, the veteran team we've known to include new talent, new blood. And I'm wondering how you see the evolution of the USWNT and whether this, whether we are still the world power in this sport? I think in some ways, the U.S.'s ability at the game is becoming narrower and a narrower gap than it has been to other teams. Where I think in some ways, the U.S. lives rent-free in a lot of teams' heads because of their success at World Cups, because of how strong they've been in the game. They're kind of, they're the Yankees of women's soccer. They are the Real Madrid of women's soccer. They are the team that sort of, you have to conquer them. You don't just beat them. You cut, like you have to slay the beast. Whereas I do think the, the U.S. women, the U.S. women's program is still growing. New players are coming through. The NWSL has been very good for the growth of the game here. But I still think that the rest of the world is coming. This is, I think, going to be one of the last tournaments where the U.S. can be considered a big favorite. They'll be, they'll always be among the favorites. But I think because of the fact that all these major European countries and to a lesser extent, South American countries with major soccer infrastructure are genuinely caring about the game in a way that they haven't as recently as six years ago. This sounds crazy, but it's a, been a period of about five or six years where some bigger clubs in Europe, all right, we're going to go all in on the women's game and we're going to try and develop players and bring through players. And, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona have drawn big crowds. Barcelona played ridiculously good soccer. and They're the best club team in the world. Uh, the, the English game, there's, you know, the, the same giants that are in the Premier League on the men's side are most of them are putting in money. I think Liverpool uh, has been sagging behind in that respect. But these big European clubs and the infrastructure is so much stronger than it is here in the U.S. From a you know fields, from a stadiums, from all that standpoint, it's be like it's a better way of developing players certainly than the college game. I think if you're relying upon the college game to compete at international level, I just don't think that that's good enough when you compare it to the to the infrastructure of most soccer countries around the world. So the U.S. go into this World Cup amongst the favorites. They have a great chance to win a third consecutive title. But as the World Cups go on life becomes very difficult for them. And I think we started to see the cracks of that at the, at the Tokyo Olympics. Without further ado. Oh, no. In my family, the next Walt Whitman <laughs> is poised to unleash. Greg, what are your bona fides with, po with poetry? Are you proud of your son here? Because you, you have a long lineage opponent of poetry? I do not. Uh, I enjoy poetry. I, um, I, I, enjoy the uh, I enjoy a good haiku. But um, this is the first time I'm hearing this. I have not listened. I have not judged it. Dad, have you written mom a poem before? You know what? It, it yes and no. He's like every time we make love, that's a poem. No. Oh God! Every time I every time I give her a card, a serious card for like a birthday or an anniversary, a card. You write a paragraph. I'm not a big paragraph writer. Not a Snoopy card, but like an actual heartfelt card. Uh, I don't like just going by the pre-printed message. I like writing some poetry of my own. So uh, I have dabbled in in. Amateur poetry, yes. I'm a big give the card with a love, Chris, and then I will have, like, I will say to my wife, like, something very heartfelt on the birthday. I'm more of, like, outward. But I, but I say it poorly. To my point, I say it poorly. Anytime I try to really, because you know me, I'm a jokester. And in this, I can't help myself. I'm a jokester. But I wanted to <laughs> express myself with words for Chris Whittingham, who recently left the Levitard show. So here we go. <clears throat> oh, wait, let me scroll up to the start of it. Okay. <laughs> Great start. It's called Chris Whittingham. <laughs> I just wow. made him title one. <laughs> That's right to the point, that one. Good luck rhyming something with Whittingham. Chris Whittingham, you're gone now. But I still wanted to let you know that I truly appreciate you as a person. 
Damn it, I already f***ed this up. All right, we're going to start over. Here we go. I swear to God, this is going to be good. Chris Whittingham, you are gone now, but I still wanted to let you know that I truly appreciate the person you are and genuinely didn't want you to go. For you to leave to follow your passion is truly cool to see. When you become the next Peter Drury, don't forget about little old me. I've actually never written a poem before, not for a friend or even a loved one, but I stink at genuinely expressing emotion. Plus, I knew you'd appreciate it if it was nicely done. As I read this, all I can think of is how mad Dan's going to be I didn't do this on his show. But what do you want from me? I just thought of it. Sometimes emotions can move a little slow. In my mind, this poem was filled with witty sayings, but it appears that it is not. Get off my back. This whole poem writing thing is much tougher than I thought. So goodbye for now, my friend, and good luck on whatever's next, even though it's not goodbye at all because we're in the same 14 group texts. <laughs> I don't know how to end this poem. I truly don't know what to do. So I'll just say, keep crushing it, man. It'll stink not seeing you at work every day. I will really miss you. Oh, wow. oh this Very is nice. great. That was great. Wonderful. Like, come on. Thank you. That, that like genuinely touched me. Dude, I meant I'm having it. a smile on my face for the rest of the day. That was brilliant. Thank you so much. And wow. like, I, 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 I should write something for you too. Because well, you did. You wrote me a, a nice note, and I, I, I felt the same way. We, we had a, a, a good repartee. I'd say nobody. Yes. I think Witty and I was a tag team effort of really just bringing the positive energy. We were key glue guys. We were, <laughs> we were key glue guys in the atmosphere. That's honestly that's why I think I miss you so much because Witty has a lot of the traits that people around the show give me credit for. So I saw the I saw that with witty and it's it's always good to have like he's a good teammate he really is thank you chris so there that you was uh that was nice christopher thank you are and, you a little uh, jealous witty, uh, i'm seeing a little jealousy from my dad he's like he's never written me a poem <laughs> no there, there was no jealousy to that <laughs> to that degree trust me you set uh, a high standard for the next birthday card yeah i did that's right po poem was a little wordy if i'm gonna be uh, if i had a critique i i that's why uh, i was telling you i like there were, i didn't know really how poems work so i was just like as long as they <laughs> rhyme at some point can i just yeah, say right. as many words that's yeah. how i did it you <laughs> you were uh fast forwarding some of those words to get to the rhyme you know a little wordy at points but no the uh, heartfelt yeah. i'm trying to think what the wordiest one was whatever really it nice. was good no it was good it's the thought that counts it was great should we let Woody get out of here Are i we, think you uh, should let me get out of here too <laughs> okay, let's 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 wrap up the whole episode, shall we? Uh, Whittingham, thank you for joining us. Uh, good luck in the future. You are full of talent. You have a great personality. You're going to succeed in whatever you do, and I'm happy right now that it's in soccer, which I absolutely love. So, uh, best wishes to you, Christopher. Thank you as always. Uh, I'm glad we survived our trip to um, Houston. Yeah, and uh, Houston. That's the name of a song. Isn't I was going to say, are you Houston? singing? Mm -hmm. Houston, we have a problem, or no, no, no. There's, there's a song. I'm gonna look it up. The next episode, I Tommy Tig has probably played it in the open of a heat broadcast before. It it could be. It could consult be. with him. He would know. I will indeed. Uh, for now, let's get out of here, podcast family. Thank you all. Dean Martin has a song called Houston. Does he really? Yeah. Hmm. He was. He's probably slurring it like me in Houston last week. According hey, to your hey, mother. Hey, here we go. <laughs> but uh, anyway, on that note, on that sour note, uh, thanks everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye. That kind of thing. And you know it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Woody. <laughs>